You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Timothy 4, we are in this uh, series. We started it on graduation and uh, promotion Sunday, the first Sunday in June. And uh, I've entitled it an example of the believers. We said the first week that there are those who exit. There are those who depart from the faith. And uh, I I don't ever want to be a part of that group. But I want to remind you that none of us are exempt except for the grace of God. That could be us someday. Uh, We could be a casualty or we could be an illustration of somebody who used to teach Sunday school or used to sing in the choir or used to live for God. And then uh, we got off track. And and, uh, Brother Dan was talking about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Nobody plans on that. Nobody says, you know, I want to ruin my life. I just want to waste my life. Nobody plans on that. But it's so subtle and it's so gradual. Satan is the master deceiver. That's what we said. Satan will show you lies, and he will will deceive you into thinking that you're making the right move to get away from God. And uh, I hope we won't exit. I hope we'll stay uh, with the truth of the Word of God. Secondly, we said there are those who exercise. There are those who exercise themselves unto godliness. I'm glad we get preaching, and I'm glad we get teaching, and I'm glad for all the devotionals and all the Bible studies, but friend, we need to put into practice the things that we've learned. It's not enough just to store it up, but we need to use it to help others and point others to Christ. Then we said last week, there are those who endure. There are those who go through hardships and they don't quit. They just keep pressing on. And then we said last Sunday night, uh, there are those who are an example. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And if you missed any of these, I hope you'll take the time to go back and listen uh, to help us to understand this chapter, 1 Timothy 4. Today I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 13. And I want you to see verse 13, Brother Dan read it for us, but the first three words of 1 Timothy 4, Paul writes and says, till I come. Now, I understand this is talking about the Apostle Paul, and he's telling Timothy, he said, I'm going to come see you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to show you some things, Uh, I'm going to do what I can to encourage you, but Paul says, till I come, until Paul comes, he tells Timothy, he said, there's some things you need to do, but I want to make the application just by way of introduction and say, we're not waiting for the Apostle Paul to come back, we're not waiting for a preacher to come. We're not waiting for an evangelist to come. We're not waiting for a missionary to come. We're not waiting for a family member to come. We're waiting for Jesus to come. And until he comes back, I want to be faithful. I want to be an example. I want to be all that God wants me to be till Jesus comes. I want to remind you that Jesus could come back today. We've heard it so many times as a boy. I remember my pastor, Pastor Melvin Swanson, He pastored the same church for 58 years, same church, and he would preach. And I remember so many times on Sunday nights, it seems like he'd end up in the book of Revelation. He'd be talking about the rapture, the trumpet sounding. He'd be talking about Jesus Christ coming back. And friend, I believed it back then, and I believe it now. I believe Jesus Christ 
could come back today. You say, well, I'm a little discouraged. Uh, I've been watching the news, and I'm watching what's going on in, uh, in politics, and I'm watching uh, uh, this uh, terrible tragedy that took place down in uh, Florida with the collapse of that building and the, the, the search operation for, for people that are still missing and unaccounted for. And you read about so many of these tragedies, and you read about these things, and, and you say, I'm a little discouraged. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get your eyes on the world, you will be discouraged. But if you'll get your eyes on Jesus, and if you'll remember that that trumpet could sound today, I promise you it will encourage you. Jesus is coming back. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7. The apostle Paul said at the end of his life, he said, I have fought a good what? Fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the what? The faith. He said, I didn't depart from the faith. I kept the faith. But then he says in 2 Timothy 4, 8, he says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul said, there's a special crown that is waiting for those who look forward to and those who anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. I hope you're anticipating it. I hope you're living every day as if this could be the day that Jesus is coming back. Things will get worse and worse before the Lord returns. But friend, I want to encourage you today. Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back for the child of God, uh, all of our troubles, all of our sorrows, all of our cares, all of our burdens will be gone. I want to draw your attention to verse number 13. 1 Timothy 4, verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Notice quickly, if you would, give attendance. You say, well, pastor, I've got the first one checked off because I'm in attendance at the service. I am here. Well, I'm glad you're here. But this word attendance has a little bit more meaning. It means not only to show up, but it means to pay attention now how many of you like me it seems like your mind is working like a hundred miles an hour like all the time and sometimes it's hard to shut it off well don't shut your mind off we need we need that that's good but sometimes it's hard to kind of put it in one one gear and just focus on one thing and I know that the they say that Ladies are very, very good at multitasking, and you can do a lot of stuff at once and be thinking about a lot of stuff at once. But for me, and I'm not saying all men are like this, but for me, I have a hard time focusing on a lot of stuff. It's like Paul said, this one thing I do. Men, can I get a witness on that? Is there anybody else like that? Wow. All right, let's find out from the ladies. How many of you ladies are married to somebody who can only focus on one thing at a time? All right, there we go. There's some hands for you watching and listening on the radio. There's a lot of hands there. You said, no, that's not me. Okay, how about this? You're watching sports on television, right? And it's a good game. And your wife says something to you. Men, how many of you, your wife has to repeat herself a few times before you get it, all right? That's exactly what I mean. We get focused on one thing, okay? So here's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, give attendance, pay attention 
Take heed, listen, because he said, I've got some things you need to know. First of all, he says, pay atten- uh, give attendance to reading. The word reading, it's simply, it's like we know, to read uh, uh, some material or, or, or to read a book or to read a paper. It's the idea of reading and knowing. We read for knowledge. We read for instruction. But we also read for reminder. I read the Bible not because I've never read it before. I've read the Bible uh, uh, dozens of times. But I read the Bible because although I've read it before, I need to be reminded of it. I remember when my wife and I, when before we got married and while we were dating, but I remember she would, and some of you younger, you, you teens in that, this, is, this may sound archaic to you, but we didn't have text messaging. We didn't have uh, uh, the, the, the cell phones and all that. With, uh, we had cell phone, but where you could send messages and all that stuff. And so we would write letters. How many of you remember those days when you wrote a letter and you wrote it with your own hand? You know, I mean, you actually wrote it out. And then you put a stamp on it and you put it in the mail. And my wife would send me a letter and I'd get that letter. And I didn't read that letter casually. I didn't read that letter quickly. I read every word. And you know what I did after I read every word? I read it again. You know why? Because it was important. Because it meant something to me. And friend, I hope we read the Bible, not like we read the paper, not like we read an email from work, but I hope we read the Bible because we need to know and we need to be reminded what God's Word says. There's a special blessing promised to those who will read and those who will hear the Word of God. Number one is reading by way of introduction. Number two, it says give attendance to exhortation. Now this is the word I really want you to to zero in on because we're going to talk about this for a few moments. But the word exhortation, it means comfort. It means refreshment. It means encouragement. Did you know that we are to pay attention and take heed to exhortation? We're to pay attention to exhortation so that we can be encouraged, right? We we need encouragement, but also so that we can encourage someone else. The Bible says about John the Baptist in Luke 3 that many other things in his exhortation he preached unto the people. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that preaching is good for exhorting and for edifying and for comforting. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he said when you preach the word, he said reprove, rebuke, and exhort. There needs to be all three in preaching. And then Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible says that we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we are to exhort one another. Did you know we as Christians have a responsibility, we have a command to encourage one another? I wonder if we've been obedient to that command today. You know, some people are not an encouragement because they're not looking for people that they can encourage They're only looking for people that can encourage them. Well, friend, I want to tell you, it goes both ways. We ought to encourage one another. You have encouraged somebody today by your presence. The fact that you're here today, you've encouraged somebody. But don't leave it at that. Then take it the next step and say, okay, I want to talk to somebody today. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to find somebody today that I can help and that I can encourage. Pay attention. Give heed 
to exhortation. When I was a teenager, in our youth group, uh, Brother Swanson was our youth pastor. He's, he was here for our spring revival. He's been here a few times. But Brother Swanson had a theme for our, our youth group, and he called us the encouragers. And this was back before, now we have, we just call Miss Grace, and she just designs a banner, and you know, in three days it's delivered here, you know, big banner like we have out here. It's just beautiful, and the design is amazing. We didn't have that back then, so our youth pastor hired a professional painter, and he came in, and on the wall in the youth room, they, he, this, this artist, it was beautiful, he painted the words, the encouragers. And so every time we went into that youth room, one side of the wall said, the encouragers. The other side said, truth for youth. We saw that every Sunday. And you know what he was trying to instill in us? That we as Christian young people, we were supposed to be an encouragement. We were supposed to be an ex exhortation. We were supposed to be a blessing to everybody that we came in contact with. You know, I think sometimes we come to church and we look for all the faults. Well, I wonder what so-and-so is thinking. I wonder what so-and-so is doing. I wonder why so-and-so didn't say that. I wonder why so-and-so didn't do this. Hey, forget all that. Why don't you step out and say, I am going to be an encouragement. I'm going to exhort somebody. I'm going to help somebody today. Number one, reading. Number two, exhortation. Number three, doctrine. The doctrine here is simply teaching. We, we, we have reading. We have exhorting, we have teaching. Sounds a lot like what we do at church, right? We read the Bible, we exhort, we encourage, and then we teach the, the Bible and teach the doctrines. I believe we need doctrine. We live in a day when people are, are blown about by every wind of doctrine, but what we need is to be grounded in the doctrine and the truth of the Word of God. Notice verse number 14. Paul says to Timothy, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now, I believe Paul is talking to Timothy about the time that he was ordained to be a preacher of the gospel ministry. But I want to tell you this. You may not be a, a pastor. You may not be a, a missionary. You may not be an evangelist. But can I tell you, God has given all of us some important, special gifts. Don't neglect the gift that God has given you. Don't neglect the gift of grace that God has given. Uh, don't neglect uh, the gift that God has given you, the ministry that God has given you, the, the privilege God has given you uh, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a, a parent, uh, to, 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 to serve and to, to help. And don't neglect the gift that God has given you and all the blessings. Don't waste the opportunities that God has given you. I want to tell you, we have been given a gift of salvation. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, don't neglect that. If you're here today and you're not saved, don't neglect that gift. Accept that gift. But if you have been saved by the grace of God, I want to tell you, uh, make the most of it. Tell somebody about it. Live in the joy of the Lord and, and, and get all that God has for you. God has, has promised us that we can have an abundant, joyful life. Don't neglect the gift. Let me give you quickly, I've given you a long introduction. Let me give you a few thoughts and we'll be done. In this passage, I see a few things that can encourage us. Number one is to pay attention. 
You know, if we would just pay attention to what God has already told us, there'd be a whole lot less discouragement. If we would just pay attention more to the Bible than we do the news, if we'd get our focus more on Jesus than we do on people, I promise you, if we would pay attention, if we would give attendance to these things, we would be encouraged. Would you notice with me in 1 Timothy 4, we skipped over these verses. Um, when we began the series, it wasn't on purpose. I just uh, didn't really have time to get to it. But the Bible says in verse number 3 that Paul warned Timothy that there were some people who had some, some unbiblical teaching that they were doing in the church. It says in verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Uh, and all the, all the meat lovers in, under the tent said amen to that, right? But there were some people in Paul's day who came in and they said, you're not supposed to marry. You got to go somewhere to a monastery. You got to go somewhere and, and be a monk. And, and if you really, if you really love Jesus a lot, then you will not get married. Well, I got news for you. That is not what the Bible teaches. The, uh, the, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said, husbands. What does that mean? It means you got married. Love your wives. Oh, what does the Bible say in the book of Proverbs? He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. How about this example of marriage? There was a man that God created in the garden. His name was? You got it. And he saw Adam and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he created who? Okay. And so God instituted marriage. And God has blessed marriage. And God has said that children are a blessing. Children are an heritage of the Lord. But here we have, there were people who came into the church and they started teaching false doctrine. Oh, no, you can't get married. Oh, no, you can't eat certain meats. Now, by the way, is there a portion of Scripture that says there are certain meats that you can and cannot eat? Yes, it's called the book of Leviticus. And it was written for the Jews. It, it is Jewish dietary laws. There were certain animals they could not eat. And by the way, there were some people in Paul's day that had a very difficult time with some of that because they were still living under the law. But friend, I want to tell you, we are not living under the Old Testament Jewish dietary laws. And it's a good thing because we have a, we'd have a lot of sinners if we did. Because we've got a lot of people that have been eating some pork and eating some uh, barbecue and eating some stuff like that. But here's what happened. Because people did not know the Bible and because people did not have sound doctrine, they were believing everything that people were teaching. Now, I want to remind you, just because a preacher stands up and says it's so, that doesn't mean it's so. Let me say that again. Just because a preacher stands up and says it's so, that doesn't mean it's so. It's what does the Bible say. And if you are going to be encouraged, you're going to have to pay attention to what the Bible says. That's why we have church. 
That's why we have Sunday school. And by the way, Sunday school next Sunday, 10 o'clock. Teachers will go to about 1040 at the latest. I still want to keep that transition so choir members and everybody can get to their place. But that's why we have Sunday school. We need to know the Bible. You can't get your Bible just from a TV preacher or just from a, 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 a radio preacher. You've got to get in the Word of God. You've got to get in a Sunday school class and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And you've got to read the Bible every day. And you've got to give yourself to know what the Bible says or you will be deceived. Say, well, what does that have to do with encouragement? Well, I think for me, I think it's very discouraging if there's ever something going on and you have no idea what's going on, have you ever had something like that at work? Have you ever had a situation where you're like, something's going on and I don't have a clue? What's sad is I've had that before and I'm actually the pastor of the church and I'm like, I'd like to know what in the world's going on. You know, I wish somebody would have told me. But it's very discouraging when you don't know what's going on. It'd be very discouraging to live in this world and say, oh no, politics. Oh, no, the economy. Oh, no, COVID. Oh, no, global warming. I might believe it today, but oh, no, what are we going to do? Well, friend, if you don't know the Bible, you'll be discouraged. But if you know the Bible, you say, hey, it's all exactly like Jesus said. Things will get worse and worse. But that doesn't mean that it's all bad. That just means Jesus is getting ready to come back. What encourages us? Paying attention, getting in the Bible, and knowing that God is in control, and knowing that we're on the winning side, and knowing that we have victory in Jesus. What encourages us? Number two, I'll tell you what encourages me, is preaching. I, I, love, I love preaching. I love to preach. But I love hearing preaching. I had the opportunity this week to be at a youth conference Monday night, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I got to hear so much preaching. And while the preacher was preaching, you know what I was thinking? Oh, I wish, I wish Brother Curry were here. He really needs this one. Then there's another message. I thought, oh, I wish, I wish Brother Edmund was here. Oh, let me tell you, he, he needs a double dose of this one. And I knew Brother Dan needed all the messages, let me tell you. No, no, no. You know what I was thinking while the preacher was preaching? I need it. It was a youth conference. And they had an invitation after every service. And guess what? After every service, many teens responded. We had many teens that got saved. We had many teens that surrendered to, to preach and go to the mission field and serve God. But you know who else was responding to the preaching? You're looking at them. You say, oh, you just, wanted to, you just wanted people to think. Oh, no, no. I was responding because God was speaking to me. And I want to tell you, preaching will encourage you. Nothing will encourage you like getting right with God, and nothing will discourage you from getting away from God, like getting away from God. Number one, we need to pay attention. Number two, we need preaching. Number three, we need praying. I've had times in my life where I was frustrated, I've had times in my life I didn't know what to do. I had times in my life I didn't know how I was going to make it. But you know what I found? I'd get along with God and spend time praying. And I'd come before that throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And I found that praying and spending time with God encouraged me. See, we pray so many times for prayer to change somebody else. But many times God will take our prayer and God will use it to change us 
Number one, paying attention. Number two, preaching. Number three, praying. Number four, precepts. We've already talked about it. It's doctrine. We need to know what the Word of God says. That will encourage us. And then lastly, I believe we need to participate, or you could say participation. So what's participation? It's faithfulness in serving God. You know who, you know who enjoys the tent services the most? The people that participate. You know who enjoys the kids' crusade and the, and, and the, the ministries the most, the bus ministry? The people that are a part of it. Can I tell you there's something encouraging about being a part of serving God? I wonder, how are we doing? Here we are at the end of June. How are we doing in our faithfulness? Your faithfulness will encourage you, but your faithfulness will also encourage somebody else. I wonder what it is in your life. I wonder what it is in my life that God's speaking to us about this morning, how we can encourage somebody else. As I was this week preparing for the message, I, I, I had in my my mind, I had a list of some people that encourage me. And you know, I began to think about those people that encourage me, and I thought, I hope, I hope I'm on somebody's list. I hope that I'm an encouragement to so-and-so. I, I hope there's people that come to church and say, you know, the preaching wasn't all that good, and it really wasn't that impressive, but at least, at least the pastor tried to encourage us. At least he tried to let us know, hey, you can make it and you can live for God. And, and I hope that I would be on somebody's list. But I wonder who we could encourage. I wonder who we could say a kind word to. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Pleasant words are as in a honeycomb. A word spoken in due season, how good is it? I want to tell you, we've got the best news in all the world. We've got the gospel that we can share with somebody. You see, it's encouraging to know that even though we're all sinners and although we all come short of the glory of God, we can tell somebody about Jesus and somebody can be saved from hell and somebody can go to heaven because they hear the gospel, the good news from you and from me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.